in Chicago, two comedian skeptics named Andy and Art were mysteriously abducted by the illusionary mastermind and conspiracy theorist known only as Mr. Mr. Bunker. Bunker. The following serves as a record of Bunker's attempt to convince non-believers of the truth about conspiracies and paranormal activity. Andy and Art give an uninterrupted presentation and verdict on the plausibility of these offbeat topics, delivering what they call the, the whole enchilada. Will Mr. Bunker convince these two skeptics any of this is real? Will it convince you? Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Art Stone, and with me, as always, is your co-host, Andy Hart. Beep, boop, pop, boop. I am Andy Bot 2000, here to co-host the show. Beep, pop, boop. <laughs> Just kidding. It's me. <laughs> oh, I was fooled. Oh. I was fooled by your robot gaze. I've talked to you a lot of scientists about making a sex bot love. that looks like me. So far, no takers. <laughs> yeah, they did a lot of A-B testing, and uh, the general public was not into <laughs> not, it. Did, did um, not, uh, focus groups were not kind. Andy, yeah. I don't know if you knew this, but today is National Co-Host Appreciation Day. Whoa, hey. Did you know that? I, did you know that, Andy? Yeah, I did, and I got you a gift. You did? You got me a gift? Yeah, it's in the mail. Uh, oh, it's great. quarantine, I can't give it to you in person. Right. But, uh, in the mail. Well, I appreciate that, Andy. But I think, I think it's really important that since it's co-host appreciation day, that mm-hmm. we really get to know each other and see things through each other's eyes. Don't you think? Mm, don't yeah. you think that's important? I think that is important. Like, I think it's important that we see the world through through each other's eyes. Um, so why don't you close your eyes a little bit? Okay. I'll close my eyes and I'll try and. I'll try and see the world and channel the world through your eyes. Don't you think that'd be good? Yeah, I'd love be a to good hear, exercise. I'd love, I'd love to know what you see. Okay, here we go. I'm see the world through Andy's eyes, and uh, here we go. Okay. I'm connecting. I'm dialing in. I'm dialing in. Yes. Okay, I see it now. Yes. Oh, I'm floating through the ether. Ooh, I'm zipping and zooming around. Here we go. Ooh. Okay. I'm inside of Andy's brain. All right, all right. Let me. Oh. Ugh. Oh God. Mm-hmm. Oh no. Oh. Oh, this is bad. Oh, oh, fingers, this is bad. Oh God. Oh God, it's so gross. Oh God. Oh, everything. Everything is terrible. Oh God, there's so much. Oh, every. Oh God. Oh, it's it's horrible. Oh, I gotta get out. I gotta break the connection. <laughs> oh, Jesus, Andy. Seeing the world through your eyes made me very sick. Yeah, and you gravy. Get, so much gravy. You get used to that after a while. <laughs> Why was everything lacquered in gravy? I mean, look, reality is what you make it. And what better reality than everything covered in a thick slather of gravy? <laughs> All I could hear were the sounds of people breathing. 
<laughs> that was me. It was like constant ASMR, but it was very it was it was very disturbing. Yeah, I'm a heavy breather and a light sleeper. Um, Bunkfuckers, I don't recommend seeing the world through Andy's eyes, but um, not nor do I. <laughs> Can't recommend it. <laughs> but I do recommend listening to today's topic because it has to do deal with seeing the world through. I mean, so much more seeing the world through other people's eyes, teleporting through time, teleporting through space, uh, making objects materialize in front of you. Um, I mean, aliens, um, you know, rogue elements of the CIA, rogue Nazis. I mean, there's so much wacky, crazy science shit going on in today's topic, Andy. <laughs> yeah. That it's almost as disgusting as viewing the world through your eyes. Yeah. Um, this is a real potpourri today, uh, <laughs> to put it in Jeopardy terms. Yeah. Uh, we are covering... A topic that many of you probably know something about because Stranger Things fans, you got to know something about it because it casts such a wide net that (laughs) chances are you've had some exposure to a piece of it. Yeah. It's the Montauk Project. Yeah. Montauk. Montauk. I'm Montauking about it. We're Montauking about it. You Montauking to me? Hey. What, do I look like a clown to you? You mind talking to me? I'm mind talking to you. Look who's mind talking now. It's Mr. Bunker's <laughs> Conspiracy Time Podcast. <laughs> look who's mind talking now. <laughs> uh, speaking of who's mind talking now, Andy, you know who is mind talking right now? You He's our good friend, oh. our princess, Natalie. <gasps> Natalie. Now, what Natalie is an angel, uh, is a godsend, is uh, a true friend, um, best friend of the show, and former guest on the show, Uh along with her lover, the scornful Ian, possible baby kidnapper. (laughs) Still still haven't heard, no word on that yet. (laughs) No word. Uh, um, No word, I mean. Yeah, they are really the yin and the yang. Um, (laughs) Yeah. It's like having Your oil and vinegar, God and Satan, you know, <laughs> in a sexual relationship. What? There's love. There's love, and they they are uh, conscripted and contractually obligated to come on our New Year's episode every year. Check out our episode on the um, the Simpsons writers being time travelers. If you want to hear some wacky stories that Natalie has had, but um, anyway. Natalie suggested this episode to us because she was out on a work assignment um, near Montauk and learned and near uh, Camp Hero State Park, which is where the Montauk Air Force Base was located and where the iconic giant fucking radar system. um, The GFR, the GFR, the giant fucking radar (laughs) Um, is located that that iconic structure and uh, learned all about it and sent it into Mr. Bunker. Now, I mean, what more can you ask for? Uh, uh, I wasn't prepared to answer that question. Uh, <laughs> I guess. I mean, I nothing. I guess I don't know. Yeah, nothing. Uh, I guess. Well, um, a firm hand. Thank you, to Nat- 
uh, a firm handshake? A firm handshake would be nice. Yeah. Shave? A shave. A close shave and a firm handshake? I don't know. Don't put me on the spot like this. That's, I mean, you got to stop seeing things through your gross eyes. (laughs) I can't. I can't turn off my brain. Your gravy eyes. You've got Betty Gravy eyes. Um, Now, uh, if you want to get all in that Montauk business, you want to learn all about the Montauk Project because it is, it's nuts. It's a nuts topic. This topic is insane. Andy and I were texting about it earlier. Yes, we text each other. Get over it. Get over it. And we both, we both said this topic is insane. So if you can't wait to get into it, Check out the show notes. There will be a timestamp. You can use the timestamp to scrub ahead on your podcast player, whatever app or device that is. It'll give you the exact timestamp where the research begins because first, Andy and I got to do some business. Can I can I issue a real quick warning? Yeah, issue a friggin' warning. Uh, if you scrub ahead, you do create an alternate timeline where you oh. skipped forward in time of this show. Um, and you may create a paradox of me and or art and or yourself, which will have to be sorted out by the universe. Oh my goodness. You don't want to get caught in a time glitch, bunk funkers. Yeah. It's bad business. Then we're going to have to go back in time, tell your parents to pork each other again, create a new baby version of yourself and implant your memories. And you don't want to make a plant your memories into that baby's body. So that baby can then grow up to become a new version of you. And do you really want us doing that? Do you really want us talking to your parents about how they need to fuck each other? We're not the kind of guys that you bring home to mom and dad, okay? Or that show up at your mom and dad's house naked, covered in goo. (laughs) Yeah. Telling them to have sex with each other. Now, there's nothing in the Montauk Project that says that when people are sent through time, they show up naked. But we we do it (laughs) because we're committed. We don't have to. Yeah, there's nothing. It's that a choice. It's a choice. We're living out a Terminator style fantasy. Look, it turned out that the lore in Terminator turned out not to be real. But that doesn't mean that when you travel through time, you shouldn't take off all your clothes and cover yourself in Vaseline. And talk like Arnold Schwarzenegger, which we do. <laughs> so, I mean, do you, you do really need to fuck each other? <laughs> Get to yeah, the baby it. making. <laughs> <laughs> your future job depends on it talk to the hand also give us a baby <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love how he always went back in time and he learned a new catchphrase <laughs> like if he if the Terminator like if they made another Terminator where the Terminator went back to like 2020 and he would learn words like alright I'm gonna yeet out of here <laughs> and go kill John Connor you know what's interesting though about slang is that it's all about context and like terminator doesn't always get it right exactly that's right so it would be interesting where would he use he when he shouldn't dab i will dab on it like he's like he's got like a fucking minigun he's just shooting down like all these fucking like other Terminators and like bad guys. He's just then he just fucking dabs. <laughs> this is the most efficient dab in history. <laughs> oh God! 
Uh, anyway. Anyway, Andy, um, hopefully none of our bunk funkers create a time paradox by skipping ahead. But um, we're going to create a time paradox right now by doing <laughs> by 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 activating some equipment that we have. So the Montauk right. Project has a bunch of wacky equip- equipment mm-hmm. and we have some wacky bunk tech equipment of our own. Oh, yeah. We got funky um, into bunky. We got uh, funky into bunky. Look, Mr. Bunker shelled out a substantial sum of money um 10 billion dollars worth of gold uh for this system that uh allows us to in perfect sync uh sound an alarm to honor a bunk bunker uh and we call it the bunker alarm yeah and uh we got a jam-packed bunker alarm um this week andy because um not only are we thanking our princess our sweet natalie yeah um we're also thanking all of our wonderful amazing patrons that's right wonderful um we have a patreon patreon.com slash mr bunker pod and aside from getting access to our um monthly patreon only show andy and art debunked where we talk about a host a plethora of other wild topics i mean we've done um we covered some urban legends we've done a commentary and review of um ancient aliens we've got some other fun stuff planned for that show so uh, check out the patreon if you want access but one of the other perks you get is a certified uh bunker alarm in your name yeah that's true. Now, <laughs> most of these patrons have already had a bunker alarm sent to them in some capacity. Let's right. be honest. Right. But they're getting another out. They're getting two of them. They deserve it's it. Certified. They do they do. They deserve it. Uh it doesn't make it any less special. So we need to thank Pedro Garcia. Pedro Garcia. We need to thank Zeke. Zeke. Jacob Elliott. Jake. Cody Laveau. Cody. And Justin. <laughs> Justin. Just one word. <laughs> Much like uh, Prince. Yeah, or Madonna, yeah. Yeah. Just Justin. Justin. Um, thank you all so much for being patrons and this. And, of course, thank you to Natalie, Natalie for... Uh, um, for the suggestion. For the suggestion on this episode. It's a wonderful episode. Great episode. Um, so this this perfectly synced bunker alarm is for mm-hmm. you all. Yep. Uh, here we go. I'm just gonna do the uh, yep. the necessary. And he's gonna calibrate the machine. He's gonna he's gonna yeah he's gonna um yep, put in the uh, bunker alarm. <laughs> See, this is what programming sounds like. Okay. Uh, and now the, were you uh, juicing some fruit? I, I got distracted. Sorry. Oh, okay. Uh, my hands were full of strawberries. Anyway, uh, now I got to do the required uh, three second countdown, and then we'll be ready right. to bunker right. bunker alarm That's for right. Natalie, uh, Pedro, Jake, Cody, Zeke, uh, Justin. Uh, anybody else that I'm not? No, that's of. it. Oh, good. I got it. That's pretty cool. Um, uh, here we go. Three. Two, one. Wow.
Wow. If that wasn't worth $10 billion, I don't know what is. I mean, there's no better way perfect. to show our gratitude. Perfect <laughs> sync. Perfect. Yeah. Um, you know, Bunk Funkers, if you out there have a sound clip or you're like an audio engineer in some capacity and you want to send in a bunker alarm to have played perfectly synced up, uh, you know, the Bunk Tech machine actually can... Um, transmit things that you send to us so if you send us an audio clip or some kind of drop that you've designed we'll play it as a bunker alarm yeah we will for sure i mean fucking hold us accountable we'll fucking do it yeah (laughs) yeah you think we won't but we will you think we're just a couple of screw-ups well you're not entirely wrong but we get some things right once in a while you're in the right ballpark for that one and speaking of being in the right ballpark um Every single week, Mr. Bunker, the titular Mr. Bunker, um, sends us, well, uh, while we've been on quarantine, has been sending us a postcard Mm -hmm. um, telling us kind of what he's been up to, where he's been, what he's doing, you know? Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, While we research the fucking episodes and do all the work, he's off gallivanting around the world. Yeah, well, the world shut down. He began to travel, and he has not abated in that at all. Yeah. He's got lots of free time. He no longer has to abduct us uh, because it's not lawful for him to abduct. I mean, it wasn't lawful before, but no, I mean, he is a weird relationship, which rules he follows and which he doesn't, uh, admittedly. But uh, because he can't be with us in the bunker, he's decided to get out there and live his life. Uh, and this week was no different. He was on the road again. And this time it's it's no no surprise, I'm sure. Uh, to you, bunk funkers. He was in Long Island, Long Island, Long Island, New York. Uh, now, okay, this bears a little explanation. Um, so his picture. So every week we get a postcard. The picture is a picture of him, what he's doing at the time. This week we get a picture of him. He's holding a fat, juicy Italian sub. I mean, this sub is loaded. It's this loaded. Sub, this sub is fucking stinking wet. I mean, it is <laughs> dripping. Vinegar <laughs> visibly pooled on the ground below him. Italian seasoning covered the whole thing. I mean, the bread, Olive oil. Oh, the bread. The vinegar. There's there's the perfect... I mean, it looks good, Andy. It looks, it looks good. It looks delicious. It's, it's got shredded lettuce. It's got tomato. It's got provolone cheese. It's got mortadella. It's got... Salam. It's got salam. Prosciutto. I mean, it's got all the meats. He's all there. He's 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 all he's gone some all the way. Hot with peppers. This I saw some hot. Do you see those hot, hot peppers? peppers? Hot peppers. Hot peppers. Hot peppers. George. <laughs> he's gone all the way with this with this Italian sub, and he's he's got it in the other hand. He's got a glass of wine. Yeah, and he's out in front of a winery. Yeah. <laughs> You can tell the guy is blitzed, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, cheeks very rosy. Uh, I mean, he is fucking schlonged out of his mind, dude. Yeah, he's, he's out there at sparkling he's point. He's fucking baked. I mean, he's fucking. He's absolutely pissed. I mean, he is fucking. He is engorged. <laughs> he Look, he's is, drunk. Uh, <laughs> he's inebriated. He's uh, yeah. You get it. Um, so. <laughs> He's out there. He's drunk. 
uh, holding an Italian sub. Um, so what are we what are we thinking when we see this? I mean, it's like, oh, well, he looks like he's just having a good time. Well, on the back, he says, I'm out here on Long Island hunting cryptids. Yeah. And I'm I like, mean, he's trying to pass it off like he's fucking doing work. Like, what is this? Some kind of like, it's just like when your work sends you to like a conference and you just end up fucking partying the whole time. And he's like trying to pass it off mm-hmm. like he's doing work. But it's like, it's clear he's fucking, he's absolutely like, you know, slogged out of his fucking gourd over here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's like, what do you mean? you? What are you talking about? Yeah. He's cryptids. like, oh, I'm out here. I'm hunting he's, famous Long Island cryptids. Yeah. And he's like, what oh, famous Long Island cryptids? You know, like the Gabagool. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, you know, like the forget about it. <laughs> you know, the Jamoke. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like the Stunad. The uh, yeah, he, you know, he's like I'm out here hunting the Mamma Mia, <laughs> the the manja, <laughs> yeah, the manja, the Long the Island manja, manja monster, <laughs> the Long Island manja monster, the Long Island iced tea. The, yeah, <laughs> it's like the meatball. <laughs> And of course, Mayor Bill de Blasio, <laughs> the ultimate Long Island cryptid, Bill de Blasio. So, look, I don't want to call Mister Bunker a liar, hmm. but he's clearly on a wine tour. He's clearly fucking taking the week off, phoning it in this week. I mean, which it's you know, while well, we're fucking here, you know, I mean, I guess just be honest about it. Yeah, I guess you know we expect him to be honest, but I, I mean, just want the out. honesty. You're never gonna get it out of him. You're never gonna get it. <laughs> His honesty. You're never gonna get it. Um, but that's what well, I want. But that's what you want. But you know, Andy, you're always gonna keep wishing. We're <laughs> just going to keep on waiting, waiting for the world to change. John Mayer. Yeah. Another famous New York resident. John yeah. John Mayer. The famous Long Island cryptid, John Mayer. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, that's where in the world is Mr. Bunker this week. Um, you know, if you have a bunker sighting, feel free to send us in anything you see at mrbunkerpod at gmail.com. Um, Andy. Uh, Montauk. Yeah. We gotta Man, take the train Montauk. from Massapequa Park over to Jamaica, past Babylon. We're uh, gonna hop on the uh, the LIR, hop on the number seven down to Queens, and head over to Montauk, Massapequa. We gotta go to Montauk here because we gotta talk about the Montauk project, Andy. The Montauk project. Um, man, this is a wild one. This cool. really is. Cool. There's a lot. This yeah. is a big enchilada. It's a, uh, yeah, this is a uh, a large, uh, shapely, uh, voluptuous enchilada. <laughs> <laughs> if you have seen the show Stranger Things, you probably know 
a good bit about the Montauk Project because um, Stranger Things was heavily based on it. And you'll see, you can you can make up, you can be the judge yourself how much Stranger Things actually draws from the source material. But let's not take any more time here, Andy. Let's throw open a portal in time <laughs> and head over to Montauk. Montauk. We got to talk about it. The Montauk we Project talk about here. It. We got a man talk about it here on Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. Oh! Art? Art? Art, are you trying to psychic mind and or finger blast me? Get out of my head! Quit trying to read my thoughts with your wacko psychic mind blast! Uh. What? No, no, Andy! Uh, I was I was trying to conjure up a real physical edible whole enchilada for all our bunk funkers. Just like in today's topic, the Montauk Project. Oh. Whew. So you didn't see inside my mind and how it's full of K-pop dance routines that I practice alone in my room? Uh, no. N- uh, no, Andy, I, I didn't. Oh, thank goodness. Our secret is safe, RM, leader of the group BTS. Thanks for clarifying. The Bang Tang Boys. Well, Andy's standum secrets aren't the only secrets we'll be exposing today. The Montauk Project is an expansive topic which exposes a plethora of wild government experiments into mind control, remote viewing, time travel, and trans-dimensional travel. And there's quite the cast of people involved. I mean, we got the U.S. government. We got rogue elements of the CIA. We got Nazis. We got rogue Nazis. We got Nazi wizards. We got psychic Nazis. I mean, we got gray aliens, draconians, reptilians, vegans, Zeta Reticuli. We've got uh, Zeta Reticuli aliens, special black ops Delta Force agents, psychic humans, and more. Oh, my. Oh, my. Indeed. Now, Montauk is quite the party, but... Before all that fun, it's important you bunk funkers learn how the sausage was made. The Montauk Project is linked, like a sausage, to another topic we've covered on this show, the Philadelphia Experiment. Now, we're not going to recap the whole experiment, but honestly, we don't need to because the Montauk Project sort of remixes the Philadelphia Experiment. You know, like a sausage crafter remixes a classic kielbasa recipe. Anywho, check out episode 64 for more on the Philadelphia Experiment. You know, Andy, you could have used any other analogy there, but instead you forced the sausage angle and somehow it still made sense. Art, I forced the word sausage into every conversation, whether it makes sense or not. Now, anyway, 
The Philadelphia experiment was essentially a U.S. military experiment using equipment designed by Albert Einstein to render an object invisible, like a sausage. In this case, (laughs) they made the USS Eldridge, a Navy escort ship, completely invisible, and also it could teleport. Now, the Montauk Project expands on this by saying it didn't just make the ship invisible, but it transmuted it into a form of living energy and Also, it was sent into hyperspace where it traveled through the space-time continuum before eventually emerging in the year 1983, 40 years after the initial experiment. It remained tethered in hyperspace to the site of the Montauk Project in 1983 until two brothers, Duncan and Edward, were sent to the ship out in hyperspace to destroy the equipment on board so that the ship would go back to 1943. They were apparently successful. But all this playing with hyperspace business got the attention of a lot of extraterrestrial species. And that's why so many UFOs were seen in the 1940s and 50s. Now, don't worry, bunkfuckers. We'll recover all this material before the test at the end of the semester. Oh, you didn't know there's going to be a test. I hope you've been paying attention. You got to pass it to keep listening. (laughs) (laughs) But before we dive deeper into Montauk, we got to set the stage. So who are some of the main actors uh, involved in this conspiracy? Now, essentially, the reason we know about the Montauk Project and the entire narrative of it is kind of based on the accounts of Preston Nichols, Stuart Swerdlow, Michael Ash, Duncan Cameron, and Al Beal... Is it Bielek or Bielek? Bielek. Bielek. Who all claim to have recovered repressed memories of their own involvement in the project. Now, Preston Nichols was an engineer based in Long Island who, along with some of the other gentlemen we'll mention, claimed to have worked on the Montauk Project. Nichols says that in the late 80s, he began remembering, quote, glimpses of an alternative existence where he was used against his will or possibly under duress to maintain and engineer the radar systems and other projects at the Montauk Project. Nichols also claims that he was made to forget these experiences through a series of hypnosis and brainwashing. By day, he would be a mild-mannered engineer working for a government contractor, but by night, he would be whisked away from his home to the derelict Montauk Air Force Base, where he participated in the strange government experiments going on there. Nichols and many of the others, we uh, were able to reclaim their memories and will which well, you know, we'll touch on later as well. We'll explain how they got their memories back. But Nichols published a tell-all about the Montauk Project in his book, The Montauk Project Slash Experiments in Time, by him and also a man named Peter Moon, whose real name is Vincent Barbaric. So Preston isn't the only one whom this happened to. Another key player in the Montauk Project story is Al Bielek, except Al Bielek isn't Al Bielek, well, he is, but like, uh, he also he isn't. So Al Bielek claims to be the regressed essence of a man named Ed Cameron. Ed Cameron was born in 1916 and was the brother of Duncan Cameron. Duncan, by the way, will be a key player in the Montauk Project. Both of the Cameron brothers were allegedly on board the USS Eldridge as it traveled through hyperspace as a result of the Philadelphia experiment. Thing is, the Cameron brothers friggin' jumped off the ship as it traveled through space and time. I mean, hello? 
Eat your heart out, evil Knievel. <laughs> Jumping over a gorge. They freaking jumped into whatever, hyperspace. <laughs> the Cameron Bros landed in the year 2137 where they spent six weeks in a hospital recovering from radiation burns as a result of jumping off a ship while in hyperspace. Disney-era Star Wars, take note, please. So, after the six-week stint in the hospital, Ed Cameron somehow gets transported to the year 2749, where he stayed for two years until 2751. Ed apparently worked as a tour guide during uh, these two years where he claims he saw, quote, floating cities built with anti-gravity technology and a society run by computers, end quote. The programmers of the computers are called the, quote unquote, wingmakers. Well, anyway, enough dilly-dallying. Ed somehow travels back to the year 2137 and gets his brother, Duncan. The two men then travel to the year 1983, where they found themselves in the middle of the Montauk Project. When they arrived in 1983, they were greeted by Dr. John Van Neumann, one of the smartest mathematicians to ever live and who helped who helped work on the Manhattan Project in the 1930s. Also, he died of cancer in 1957. But hey, this was the 80s, baby. So apparently Al Bielek is claiming that Dr. John Van Neumann lived until the 80s also. Lot to process there. Anyway, von Neumann convinces the Cameron brothers to keep time traveling back to the year 1943 so that they could stop the Philadelphia experiment. They apparently were successful, but Ed Cameron also apparently annoyed Dr. Edward Teller, who worked on the atomic bomb project. And uh, you might remember Ed Teller from uh, our uh, Bob Lazar episode. Uh, Ed Teller, who, along with uh, two other scientists, voted that Ed Cameron knew too much, uh, was fucking annoying and deserved to die. So Ed Cameron was put out of existence. We God. say out of existence. Ed Ed Teller is such a fucking badass. Dude, Ed Teller, Dude. two other scientists fucking vote that you're fucking annoying and you deserve to die and you know too much. Fucking you're out of existence. Jeff Probst, take notes, baby. God. This is how you fucking conduct a council. This is the real survivor. Get Ed Teller oh, yeah. to host that show. Your torch has been put out, Ed Cameron. Now, we say out of existence because Ed Cameron regressed into the human named Al Bielek, who was born in 1927. Al claims uh, to be a very intelligent little lad who started remembering everything around him and uh, remembered all of these memories of being Ed Cameron as early as nine months old. Now, he joined the Navy during World War II, and after that, he began working for various military contractors where it was finally revealed to him the quote-unquote truth about our involvement with extraterrestrials and psyops, that is, psychic operation programs. In the 1970s, Al was recruited to work at Montauk. He keeps the guise of his regular job as an electronics contractor, but works in an altered state at Montauk, just like Preston Nichols. He was a program manager for the Montauk Boys program and participated in the mind control experiments and actively participated in time travel projects. Much like Preston Nichols in 1988, Al's memories returned and he believes he was not used any further at Montauk. Al's been around the block a few times in the UFO community, though. He was very chummy with crypto king kahuna Ivan T. Sanderson, and uh, he's given some talks at MUFON, and other paranormal agencies slash conferences. In fact, a very famous speech in 1990 for the um, for MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network, 
Bielik described in vague terms how, uh, you know, he's been de-aged, he's had his memory wiped, he'd been forced to live out the rest of his life as Al Bielik. <laughs> Duncan's backstory is a little more elusive than Al's, though. Uh, in fact, most of what we know about Duncan comes from Al. Duncan was the brother of Ed Cameron and allegedly was one of the men who jumped off the USS Eldridge as it traveled through hyperspace. Duncan was also a high-level psychic conduit who possessed incredible psychic abilities, which we'll get into in a bit. Duncan, as opposed to Al and Preston, was an experimentee at Montauk rather than a worker. Duncan's psychic prowess was challenged and tested routinely. Also, his consciousness was injected into a new baby in the 1960s. We'll get into it. Slow down. Finally, uh, there's Michael Ash and Stuart Swerdlow, who both also claim they were so-called survivors of the Montauk Project and were also routinely abducted from their homes as young boys experimented on and then had their memories wiped. Now, the Montauk Project is really a story about timelines and how they're very difficult to talk about in an audio format. Uh, but that's exactly what we're going to do. We love a challenge. <laughs> we love a challenge. We'll give the whole timeline, but we want to focus on, I think, maybe like five or six main events in the Montauk timeline. We think it'll be pretty clear what elements are the recorded history of the site and what is coming from Preston Nichols and Co. So let's begin. In 1942, the U.S. Army upgrades Fort Hero to Camp Hero. Now, Camp Hero is a 754-acre state park located on Montauk Point, New York. And it's a solid strategic location for an Air Force base because it's right there on the Atlantic, and it kind of served as sort of a first bastion of defense for any, you know, any enemies that would want to come and invade New York City. Uh, Camp Hero was originally a coastal defense station that was disguised as a fishing village. So one more year later, in 1943, the famous Philadelphia Experiment takes place. We've kind of already discussed the events of that here, so let's move on to 1944. An American troop train over in Europe carrying $10 billion worth of Nazi gold is destroyed via dynamite. Oh, here we go, bunkfuckers, starting things off with a bang. Now, Nichols claims he doesn't have evidence of how the Montauk Project was financed. But he says that he was told by some, quote, acquaintances at Montauk that the money came from the Nazis. The story goes that in 1944, an American troop train went through a French tunnel. Carrying, uh, the tunnel was also in France, therefore making it French. Uh, it wasn't like a French style of tunnel somewhere else. It was, uh, it was a French tunnel in France, okay? <laughs> it was carrying $10 billion worth of Nazi gold. This train was dynamited in the tunnel, and all 51 GIs on board were killed. Now, General George Patton tried to investigate how something like this could have happened. How could an Allied train be destroyed in Western Allied territory? But apparently, Patton's efforts were blocked. Nichols believes the $10 billion of gold somehow made its way into Montauk and was used to finance the whole thing. At $20 an ounce, that would be the equivalent to, to almost... $200 billion by modern currency. So after this, things are a little vanilla for the next few years. Uh, in 1948, 
Air Defense Command placed an AN-TPS-1B long-range search radar at Camp Hero in June of that year and designed the site as Montauk Point L-10. 1957, Montauk received more large radar systems used for tracking interceptions. Later that year, the Camp Hero portions of the military reservation were closed. In 1960, the 125-feet-long, 40-ton AN-FPS-35 radar was installed at Montauk. It was so powerful, it disrupted local TV and radio broadcasts. In 1962, Al Bielik allegedly tells his father to pork his mom so that they have another kid, and they port his future brother's consciousness into the baby. Hey, remember how we said that Duncan Cameron's consciousness was transported into a new baby a baby's body because Al went back in time and told his father to do so. Hmm, you remember? That was it. At this point, Al was still Edward Cameron and he went back in time and told his dad to have another baby boy so that they could port future Duncan's consciousness into the new baby's body. You see, apparently later in time when the Montauk experiments were happening, Duncan Cameron lost his quote unquote time lock and began to age one year for every hour that passed. So they simply moved Duncan's soul and consciousness into the new baby. This is why Duncan is referred to as a quote-unquote walk-in soul. Not to be confused with my favorite Christopher Walken-themed Korean barbecue joint, Walk-in Soul. In 1970, really according to... Korean culture. <laughs> I mean, it's a classic combination. Christopher Walken, Korean barbecue. Yeah. Get a little BTS on the radio in there. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Get some milk tea. Yeah. You love that stuff. Pick anyway, <laughs> in 1970, according to Nichols, uh, this was when the Montauk group, along with gray aliens, started programming children and abducting them. Uh, we touch more on this in a bit, but allegedly thousands of local boys were routinely abducted, apparently by humans and aliens alike, for Montauk experiments. In 1971, Nichols claims he started working for AIL Eaton, a uh, defense contractor in Long Island. In 1973, Nichols claims he got involved in the Montauk Project. Fast forward a couple years to 1977, the Montauk chair was developed. Now, the Montauk chair is the real meat and potatoes of this topic. Bielik and Nichols claim they both worked together in the 70s to help engineer the device, which used electromagnetics, supercomputers, and alien crystals to amplify psychic powers. Duncan was a big focus of the chair's construction because he harnessed such great psychic powers. But how did this mysterious chair work? Nichols claims that in the 1950s, the ITT Manufacturing Company developed sensor technology that could literally display what a person was thinking. It was essentially a mind-reading machine. It picked up the electromagnetic functions of human beings and translated them to a format that could be displayed on a screen. The subject would sit in the chair, surrounded by three coils set in a pyramid pattern around the chair, with three radio receivers, six channels, and a Cray-1 supercomputer, which would display the person's thoughts on a screen. Nichols claims the technology was originally developed by the Syrians, which uh, is an alien race, S-I-R-I-A-N, from the star system Sirius. Now, there's no word on if these aliens also created Apple's Siri. 
Nichols says the device was actually reading a human aura, which is what psychics and metaphysicians uh, use to describe the electromagnetic field that surrounds our bodies. Around 1975, the Montauk group started to notice what they called time glitches. Time glitches are breakups or distortions in the fabric of our time reality. Think like deja vu, but worse. Because the Montauk group were playing around with psychic powers in the fabric of space-time with all this time travel business, these time glitches could result in some serious consequences. So in order to fix these glitches, the chair had to be redesigned with the from the uh, original Syrian version to a new version that utilized crystals. The coils would now feed into crystal receivers. There were other improvements to the chair as well, but now when everything was powered up, the chair and the supercomputers would digitize everything and create a, uh, a fake timeline from which they could conduct all their experiments. All right. So then in 1978, uh, the Air Force submits a proposal to close the base because its technology had largely become obsolete due to satellite tracking. Uh, This was intentional because the Montauk Project wanted a place that was discreet and that no one would pay attention to, somewhere out of sight and mind to continue their experiments. Also in 1978, Nichols claims mind control techniques were fully developed. Nichols says by late 1977, the, quote, the transmitter was reproducing thought forms without glitches and with a very high degree of fidelity, end quote. Allegedly, Duncan would be placed in the chair and he could concentrate on a solid object in his mind, and the solid object would then appear out of thin air in reality. Duncan could also make objects appear in other areas and move objects with his mind to other areas. If he concentrated on a physical object in front of him, he could make it disappear and reappear in another part of the base with his mind. Now, sometimes these objects were real and tangible, and other times they were ethereal and quote-unquote ghostly. And still other times these solid objects would remain tangible and real, but once the transmitters were turned off, the object would disappear and fade out. But not always. Sometimes Duncan could make an object appear and stay real and tangible forever. Imagine that, Art. You could make so many hot dogs, not even Kobayashi could finish them all. I'd love to see that. Can you imagine? More hot dogs than Kobayashi can eat. I've imagined it. I've dreamed it. Uh, Okay, let's just say I'm very skeptical. It's almost impossible to imagine that many hot dogs. So many hot dogs, Kobayashi couldn't finish them. So now that they had the basics down, the Montauk masterminds wanted to see what they could really make happen. The first experiment was called the seeing eye. Using a lock of someone's hair or other personal item in his hand, Duncan would concentrate on that person and be able to view through their eyes, hear through their ears, and feel through their body. He could remote view anyone anywhere on the planet, like a VR game, or let's be real, VR's intended purpose, VR porn. Now, after they got this down, they moved on to seeing if they could put thoughts into the head of another person. They would have Duncan meet the subject, but after the meeting, and unbeknownst to the subject, Duncan would concentrate on the individual and attempt to send thoughts into their mind. Apparently, 99% of the time it worked. The subjects would get thoughts similar to Duncan's. They continued to push this ability further, and eventually Duncan could take control of another person and make them do anything he wanted. But they didn't stop there. 
They continued their mind control experiments by targeting local individuals or even masses of people, animals, places, or technology. They could control almost anything. They could make TVs go haywire remotely. They could telekinetically move objects and destroy rooms. Duncan could shatter windows on command. Animals would be controlled to leave the forest and charge into the town of Montauk, and the humans would be influenced to start crime waves. Now you might be thinking to yourself, God damn, Duncan, calm your fucking tits, bro. Quit terrorizing our damn fucking town with your freaky psychic magic, dude. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> I mean, you might be thinking that, but it wasn't entirely Duncan's fault. You see, Duncan was induced into a constant state of coming. <laughs> yep. No, seriously, that's not a bit. I know that that sounds like a joke we would make, but Preston Nichols writes at length of how the CIA or apparently the NSA would either train or induce Duncan's consciousness into a, quote, orgasmic trance, quote, end quote, or state of sexual bliss. Then his primitive mind was at the disposal of the researchers. Oh, they could do whatever they want. His primitive mind. And without his consciousness, it was very easy to manipulate and control. Duncan's primitive mind without his consciousness was like a computer when you shut down all the other apps to free up all the memory for one specific task. But this application could open portals to other realities and make windows explode. His primitive mind. Oh no, was... the windows on my computer exploded. <laughs> yeah. He's going to explode windows on your PC and install <laughs> Linux. Oh no. I'm not a hacker. <laughs> but uh, his primitive mind was much like a computer, Andy, in that the researchers could clear out previous programming, you know, like a software engineer might clear a previous Git and commit different changes to their code. So, too, could Duncan's mind be installed with new software packages to play around with these psychic powers. Let's jump ahead a little bit here. 1979, Nichols claims the time shifts began happening. So as the researchers continued with the project, they started to notice that Duncan's psychic manifestations would suddenly cease from the transmitters. Well, after some time, they found out that they weren't ceasing they were just occurring outside the normal time stream. For example, if Duncan was in the chair at work, he would concentrate on something at 8 p.m. Now, the object might not appear until midnight or 6 a.m. But what they realized from this is that they could use Duncan's psychic powers to bend time. One year later here, 1980, the Delta T antenna um, they discontinued using the above-ground radar systems and used an underground Delta-T antenna. This is according to Nichols. So Delta-T antennas are important to mention because they're like the source of a lot of the time shenanigans at Montauk. Now, Delta is the Greek symbol typically depicting change, and T means time. Under the entire site, a Orion Delta-T, a massive 100 to 150-foot-high octahedronal antenna was placed under the transmitters. Nichols says, quote, this was done in order to phase the ground RF antenna with the below ground loop antenna so that the chair was in a null point between them. The null point was meant to cut out the interference even deeper. It knocked the interference right out of the chair, end quote. If that sounds like a lot of egghead talk, it is. <laughs> it is. Quite frankly. 
I think what they, they're getting at is that these Delta T antennas were helping to uh, fine-tune these time shenanigans, which we'll get into. Nichols also claims that working on the Delta T antenna helped him recover his memories later on. As the antenna bended his, uh, his time into two realities at once, he started to understand why reality was the, which, which reality was the correct one, and his memories of Montauk came flooding back. So a little bit later in 1980, Nichols claims the time travel functions were fine-tuned. One of the Montauk Project goals was always to open a portal in time to reach the USS Eldridge in 1943, which, you know, we mentioned a little bit earlier. But this took a lot of calibration and tuning. I mean, Duncan was used in the Montauk chair like 90% of the time, even though there were other psychics. Even if Duncan was sick, they would usually just wait for him because otherwise they would have to recalibrate the machines to fit a whole new psychic. Duncan was also useful because he had previous experiments or he had previous experience, I guess in an experiment, traveling through time when he and his brother Ed jumped off the USS Eldridge. Eventually, Duncan was successful in his portal creation efforts. He would concentrate on a year, let's say 1980, and then the year he wanted to travel to, say 1990, and eventually a portal would appear in the center of the Delta T antenna. Nichols describes it like this, quote, there was an opening that you could look into. It looked like a circular corridor with light at the end at the other end. The time door would remain as long as Duncan would concentrate on 1990 and 1980. I've been told by those who entered the tunnel that it looked like a spiral similar to science fiction style renditions of a vortex. When outside the tunnel, it looked like you were looking through space from one circular opening through space to a circular opening, but a little bit smaller window at the other end. End quote. At first, the portals were unstable. Duncan needed to learn how to not drift. Much like the hit 2006 film, The Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift, Duncan's portals were slipping and sliding all over. Toward the end of 1981, Duncan started to get really good at this whole time portal business. He could stabilize them and they would remain without drifting, Scientists frequently used a 1943, 1963, and 1983 vortex, which was based upon the natural 20-year biorhythms of the Earth. 1943, 1963, and 1983 acted as anchor points for the main vortex. Kind of like a train transit system. To get to a specific year, say 1981, you first travel to 1983 and then create a sub-vortex off of that. But once they got the time part of the equation down, they wanted to work on the spatial aspect. That is, being able to not only travel to a particular year, but also a particular place in that year. Uh, In 1981, Project Phoenix 3 was launched to further exploit time travel equipment. From 1981 to 1983, a sub-project was initiated. It went through a few iterations, but was eventually called Phoenix 3. Its objective was to go explore time itself. The researchers on this project aimed to throw open portals willy-nilly and just scope it out. Just see what happens, bro. See what's up with different time periods. Peeping through the vortex, they could reach their instruments inside and collect samples of the soil, the air, and more without actually penetrating the portal. Those who traveled through the vortex described it as a peculiar spiral tunnel that was lit all the way down. As they approached the exit point, they started to suddenly feel pulled through it and propelled out the other end. 
Nichols says, quote, the tunnel resembled a corkscrew with an effect similar to lit bulbs. It was a fluted sort of structure and not a straight tunnel. It twisted and took turns and you'd come out the other end, end quote. So when they sent people through the portal, they would go and fulfill their objective and then return. If something happened or Duncan lost connection, well, they would be stuck in whatever time period they landed in. Just who were they sending to do this research, by the way? Why, of course, local drunks, vagabonds, and children. If they went missing in time, well, nobody's going to miss them, right? Nobody cares about children. According to Nichols, quote, But many didn't make it back. We don't know how many people are still floating around in time whenever, wherever, and however, end quote. As the project continued, the so-called volunteers were outfitted with radio and TV equipment so that they could send the signals back through the portals as they explored. Apparently, those controlling the project were interested in manipulating the past and future. The children used in these experiments were recruited by one child who lived at Montauk. He was apparently like a tractor beam and very effective at his task. The children all apparently fit the whole Aryan look on account of all the rogue Nazis who were allegedly running the project. Sometimes the kids came back and sometimes they didn't. One kid was sent far, far, far into the future. We're talking to the year 6037 AD and uh, always to the same point, to what appeared to be a dead city in utter ruin. The world was, quote, stationary. Not unlike a dreamlike state, there were no signs of life. In the center of the city was a square with a gold horse on a pedestal. There were inscriptions on that pedestal, and recruits were sent there to read what they said. End quote. They would then interpret and report back to the Montauk Project what they read. Now, no one knew why the researchers wanted so much intel on this horse statue. I mean, maybe it had secret future tech on it. Maybe it was just a good point of reference. Maybe it was one of those old animatronics where you insert a quarter and you can ride the horse up and down. I mean, either way, Nichols says an estimated 3,000 to 10,000 people were sent to the future and were eventually abandoned. In 1981, Nichols claims that time travel equipment was used to teleport people to an underground pyramid on Mars. Now, part of this is based off the work of journalist Richard Hoagland, who was very concerned with a tetrahedral complex associated with the so-called face on Mars, which is an area of Mars called Cydonia. Now, that's a bit of a preface to uh, for what the Montauk Project was actually doing on the planet Mars. Apparently, the directors of the Montauk Project were very aware that there was a colony on Mars and were also aware of some top secret alien tech located there. The Montauk researchers wanted to get to Mars because they knew the structures built there were not natural. They were built by someone. Now, they knew that the colony located on Mars couldn't access the area under these these so-called pyramids, which were apparently underground. The entrances were apparently sealed shut. So the Montauk directors decided to put their portals to the test. They started sending portals from Montauk to Mars, where they were able to remotely view the planet through the portal's entrances. They simply had Duncan just move the portals around the planet until they finally accessed the sealed area underneath the pyramid. At this point, Duncan had also become quite 
the portal wizard. He no longer needed to be in the Montauk chair after generating a portal. He could generate a function in the supercomputer, which was recorded to a tape. Then the tapes could just be played anytime they needed a portal somewhere. So Duncan chills in his little chair. You know, he fires up a portal to Mars, records it to a VHS, gets out of the chair and go grabs himself some Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> now, the Montauk Project started amassing a massive library of portal tapes. And Duncan could be free to go actually exp- explore time and space himself. He even went on a few missions to Mars. The Montauk researchers scoured the planet for life forms. They would go back in time about 125,000 years, just looking all over Mars for whomever built the pyramids on there. Allegedly, they did find something. But Nichols and Duncan were never able to find out what. Nichols believes the pyramid was some kind of antenna, and sealed under it was some kind of ancient technology. Now, Duncan does recall traveling beneath the pyramid through one of his portals and seeing some kind of technology called the Solar System Defense. And the researchers at Montauk may have wanted to shut this technology off. 1981, Montauk Air Force Base was decommissioned and is now known as Camp Hero State Park. Two years later, in 1983, the transmitter was turned on nonstop. On August 5th, 1983, the Montauk directors gave Nichols the order to turn the transmitter on and leave it running nonstop. And nothing strange happened. That is until August 12th, when all of a sudden, the equipment dropped into sync with something. That something was the USS Eldridge from the Philadelphia experiment. It appeared through the portal, and the two signals had locked up in hyperspace. This is all in accordance with the Earth's 20-year biorhythms. This was August 12th, 1983, and the Philadelphia experiment took place on August 12th, 1943. But Duncan Cameron from 1943 appeared with his brother, Ed Cameron. If you recall, the Duncan currently in 1983 was the soul of this former 1943 Duncan placed into what is technically his new baby brother's body. As in the current 1983 timeline, that Duncan had fucked up a time glitch, causing him to age rapidly to death. Is this making sense? This is almost as confusing as the Terminator franchise timeline. Well, either way, the Montauk directors did not want to terminate the natural laws of our universe. If 1983 Duncan met with 1943 Duncan, it would cause a time paradox. The Montauk Project was truly playing the most dangerous game by messing with time paradoxes and the laws of nature. Nichols and multiple colleagues then state they, uh, that they had started feeling uncomfortable with where this project was heading, privately voicing their misgivings. Hmm. You would think that, you know, that might start with the Nazis slash aliens abducting local children and launching them through time with no way home, but eh. Art, that's a free vacation, and those kids should be thankful it's not like they died they just got moved to another time you just live somewhere else now you get to do stuff nobody else gets to do fuck you ungrateful kids from long island fuck you anyway nichols and his colleagues secretly hatched a plan to crash the entire project if need be and all they needed was duncan to activate it 1983, Project Rainbow on the USS Eldridge in hyperspace, coupled with Project Phoenix at Montauk. Duncan also creates a monster with his mind that destroys some of the base. Well, 
He had enough. The Nichols crew did. And in 1983, they finally activated their destruction plan. The contingency program was activated by some someone approaching Duncan while he was in the chair and simply whispering, The time is now. Duncan then let loose a horrible, hairy, Sasquatch-like monster nicknamed Junior from his subconscious into the transmitters, which in turn made the creature appear in real life. It showed up on the base and began to destroy everything and kill people. Nichols says it was anywhere from 9 to 10 feet tall. Fast forward to 1984. The ground air transmitter receiver uh, used to direct military aircraft traffic in the region was decommissioned. Also in 1984, the base was sealed. After the events of August 12, 1983, the Montauk Air Force Base was abandoned. In May or June of 1984, a squad of Black Berets was sent to the base. They were ordered to shoot anything that moved and to purge anyone or anything left on site. A second team was dispatched after the Black Berets. They removed any secret equipment which was considered too sensitive to leave behind. Afterward, the underground portions of the base were sealed. Rooms with hundreds of skeletons had to be covered up, and six months later, caravans of cement trucks showed up and sealed the entire base shut. The gates were locked, and the base has been abandoned ever since. Camp Hero itself is now a state park in New York State, but the Montauk Air Force Base is an inaccessible property, sealed away with no portal inside. Why was the project abandoned? Well, some say that the powers that be, uh, i.e. the Illuminati, or the New World Order, found out about the Montauk Project and didn't like the idea of some group being able to travel back in time to destroy their timeline where they control everything. Wow. And that is the timeline of the Montauk Project. That's it. Good night, everybody. (laughs) Bye-bye. Just kidding. Oh, there's more. There's more to this timeline. Oh, there's more. (laughs) There's a little extra enchilada on this one. Oh, yeah. Now, according to Michael Ash... Uh, who, again, uh, after Nichols and Bielek came forward, also came forward as a survivor of the Montauk Project. Again, Ash claims that he was one of the boys who was abducted. He released a tell-all series on tape titled Montauk Survivors. Now, here's some highlights from what Michael Ash claims happened during the Montauk Project. The Montauk underground base was reportedly controlled by the Bavarian Thule Society, was part of a Nazi alien collaboration which took over the Philadelphia projects from within the, the uh, CIA. Now, again, the Thule Society, if you don't know, was a German occultist group who were pretty obsessed with the whole Aryan race thing. Now, Michael also claims that there were experiments done called Dream Sleep and Deep Sleep, which involved controlling people's minds and recording their dreams in audio and color. Michael also claims that former president John F. Kennedy was actually alive in 1984 in an original timeline and found out about the Montauk Project and attempted to shut it down. So in order to prevent this, the Montauk Project sent back assassins back in time to kill Kennedy. Then they had to keep making trips back to the 1960s in order to assassinate other loose ends like, you know, uh, Harvey Oswald, Jack Ruby... Other key witnesses. All this assassinating us so much. All this altered our timeline and our perception of reality. And that's why that's why we have the timeline we have today. Delta Force. 
Delta Force was also involved in the Montauk Project as security for the Montauk Project, as well as various combat scenarios involving multidimensional aliens. And they also acted as special forces for the New World Order. Not only that, there were also different types of Delta Force personnel. There were empaths, there were shapeshifters, and time forces. No word on if Larry the Cable Guy's Delta Farce was involved in the Montauk Project. The blue-collar comedy guys are CIA. That's a Mr. Bucker conspiracy, and you can take it to the bank, baby. Cha-ching! <laughs> Anywho, there's, uh, there's actually more on the Delta Force from Michael Ash. They also apparently possessed belts that could make, the, make a person turn invisible or even trans-dimensional. Not only that, the Delta Force uh, actually could wind back time and they did go back in time and allegedly helped the USS Eldridge, the very ship from the Philadelphia Experiment, go and aid the Allies in the Normandy invasion during World War II. They also apparently uh, would get into various fights with the Thule Society, who were also a big part of Montauk or the Phoenix Projects. And, you know, they may have also been involved in a time war you know, over the facility and all the technology and stuff. There was a lot of scuffling going on. I Classic mean, time war. You know. Uh, but that's not the end of Michael Ash's claims. Uh, Ash also claims that the Montauk Project and the various tools created in the projects, such as the Montauk Vortex and remote viewing and the portals, were used to help the human alien military forces in combat. They created a Stargate and mobilized draconian alien forces on various planets. And I don't mean draconian as in austere uh i mean like aliens from the constellation draco draconian uh according to michael ash there is a major interaction between aliens from alpha draconis uh rigel orion series b and aldebaran aldebaran was originally inhabited by insectoid gray type beings apparently there are stargates and time gates and time stargates where they can send a person to another planet and another time period on that planet. Anyway, according to Ash, special forces were sent in to kill a group of insectoid gray aliens and steal their ship. According to Ash, before one of the aliens died, it implanted him with a virus that infected the bio ship which they stole, a spacecraft that was uh, part mechanical and part living biological entity. Uh, this virus caused the ship to age and die just after it landed on earth there were a plethora of alien species involved in montauk as well tall zeta reticulin grays dracos vegans who are blonde haired and red haired and pleiadians finally there are the accounts of Stuart swordlow swordlow was another survivor and who was a teen in the 1970s and grew up in long island near montauk and says that he was routinely abducted to participate against his will in the Montauk Project. Sometimes maybe just for one night, sometimes maybe for a whole week, and sometimes for multiple nights a week, and was routinely experimented on and indoctrinated into the Montauk Project. He claims that they tried to erase all of his memories, but he kept his memories, and that's why he wrote a book about it. Swordlow describes the nightmares he would have as a teen boy near Montauk where he was being chased by these government officials and people in, quote, navy blue and black uniforms. And then he would wake up to find that those dreams were reality. Occasionally, they would actually just open a portal or an artificial wormhole straight into his room, and they would come take him right into the Montauk Project to experiment on him. He claims that he suffered internal bleeding, 
that his eyesight diminished so bad that he could not see physical reality any longer and only could see energy fields. He could see colors and symbols that would emanate from the mind pattern of other humans. Swerdlow says that the trauma experienced from the Montauk Project and its after effects caused him to become an alcoholic, led to him attempting suicide multiple times. He's had trouble with his marriage and a bad relationship with his kids, all because of the Montauk Project. This culminated with a big legal battle that you know, he doesn't really go into details on that sought to send him into a mental institution for the rest of his life. But Swerdlow says that through his own hard work on expelling these bad memories and speaking truth to power of the Illuminati and the Montauk Project, he was able to make things right in his life again. And that is the all-expansive Montauk Project. Obviously, you've probably heard about this story before. Uh, It was the inspiration for the hit Netflix show, Stranger Things, a show that at the time of this recording, Art and I have not seen, not even a second of it. The working title for Stranger Things before being sold to Netflix was Montauk. And the show honestly takes inspiration from a lot of the actual theories. But what do skeptics have to say? Well, not much, I guess. Uh, Like we said, (laughs) the proof for the Montauk Project is that, uh, well, it all comes from the accounts of a few men who claim to recover repressed uh, missing memories of their time working there. That's about it. So skeptics will say much like CIA Manchurian candidate and MK Ultra Project Bill Engvall, here's your sign. <laughs> Y'all remember that, right? Yeah. Al Bill Engvall, guys are CIA. Al Bill Engvall was MK Ultra, <laughs> and is a Manchurian candidate. Here's your sign. But in honesty, not one claim made by any of the Montauk Project purveyors can be supported by hard evidence which is to say any verifiable evidence. And Preston Nichols even mentions that in The Montauk Project, Experiments in Time. He states, quote, Some of the data you will read in this book can be considered as soft facts. Soft facts are not untrue. They're just not backed up by irrefutable documentation. A hard fact would be documentation or hard physical evidence, evidence that could stand up to scrutiny. By the nature of the subject matter and security considerations, Hard facts about the Montauk Project have been very difficult to obtain. End quote. Well, bunk funkers, whether you believe the Montauk Project was a bunch of soft facts or if it got you rock hard, there's no denying it is one of the wildest topics we've ever covered. Did the Montauk Project really take place? Did the government and other entities abduct unsuspecting people to test mind control and other psychic abilities? Can we create objects and with our minds and open portals to other areas in hyperspace? Well, there's not any need for any wacky Montauk chairs here, dear bung funkers, because we've just conjured up a heaping helping hot plate of the whole enchilada on the Montauk project. Now come eat it before Junior gets it. Manja, manja. Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast will be right back after this brief message. Hey, 
Bunkfunkers. This is Art. I'm here with Andy. We just wanted to let you know we recently launched a Patreon page. So if you feel like supporting the show, you can find it at patreon.com slash Pod. Becoming a supporter will get you one extra podcast a month of our brand spanking new podcast, Andy and Art Debunked, available only on Patreon. Not only that, you'll get a lot more fun perks at each tier. So visit us at patreon.com slash MrBunkerPod. That's patreon.com slash MrBunkerPod. Hey, welcome back, Bunkfunkers. That was our research of the Mantak Project. Oh, baby. We out here on Long Island. We out here in the Hamptons partying. Having a great time. Come join us next time you got some Sunday gravy to bring. Oh, baby. We love bolognese. Yeah, what's up? It was my name's Bobby Bucafini. Yeah, I was abducted into the Montauk Projects. <laughs> oh, yeah. They did plenty experiments on me. They opened the portal right into my ace hole. <laughs> Hickory dickory duck. They opened the portal inside my cock. <laughs> Ow! Ow! <laughs> Um, Andy, you're the regressed essence of a messy Reuben sandwich, right? Yeah, uh, I think that Preston Nichols looks like my personality. <laughs> yeah, uh, nobody was, uh, nobody was experimenting on him for a cover of fucking GQ magazine, <laughs> I'll tell you that much. <laughs> he wasn't getting abducted to do any of that, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, I know. I know what you're saying. Um, is uh, he looks like he opened up a portal into a fucking dimension where everybody's made of uh, melting mayonnaise. He a he bag is, of mayonnaise. Like he should be the prototype for a pear shaped body because <laughs> he literally looks like an anthropomorphic pear. He's dead. Um, <laughs> pants up to his tits. Yeah. It's not helping. I mean, no, that was a Montauk thing. You had to wear, you had to wear pants up to your tits. Yeah, so what? It's so all right. What? So what? It's a big deal. They open up a portal right into your butt, and they put a couple things inside it. They put an entire <laughs> Navy class destroyer ship up inside your asshole. It's not a big deal. You wear pants up to your nipples, and you sit in a weird chair. Look, it's we, not a big deal. Look, we do it on Long Island all the time. Okay, we got Navy class destroyers up our ass. Okay. <laughs> Long um, Island, baby, all right? That's how Art, we do it. Is is the Montauk Project the Project Bluebeam of Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast episodes? <laughs> it's the grand unified theory of everything we've covered so far? Uh, it's pretty damn close. <laughs> it's getting there. Um, you know, I think Bluebeam still takes the cake. I think Bluebeam still takes the cake because it really... It has almost everything. This, I mean, they're really like brother and sister. Right. Uh, I mean, Montauk has all the portals and the time travel and like they just randomly throw in aliens, Nazis, Illuminati, all this shit. But then like Bluebeam is like, like you could put a Venn diagram of the two. They're very closely related. Look, I'm going to, we're at the top of the discussion and I'm going to throw this out here right away. See what happens. Does the Montauk Project, yes or no, read to you like it does to me, like it could be a series of X-Men comics? 
<laughs> yeah, it's very X-Men. <laughs> I mean, look. I know, it's I also mean, very Stargate. It's also very... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> look, I don't want to cast dispersions here on things that have happened to people, but let me just say the Montauk chair, kind of like Cerebro. Uh, <laughs> Duncan Cameron, kind of like Professor X. In Preston Nichols' book, the chapter that covers the Montauk chair is chapter 10, and the chapters are labeled with Roman numerals. That means it's Roman numeral X. Wow. The Montauk chair. You're making connections. <laughs> I'm deep in. I'm deep in. I never knew you were such an X-Men fan. Uh, I don't know that much about it, but I know enough oh, to you know seem that. seem to be huge. I know enough about to know about uh, Professor X and Cerebro. And I, I mean, know enough you, to know that like almost all of that comic series is totally fucked up because the timelines don't make any goddamn sense because over the like many years of people writing different things and bringing stuff in. Well, look, it doesn't make any sense to me, I guess. I'm not a big reader, so maybe I just don't follow it enough, but it seems like it makes no sense in the timeline. And this is another one where the timeline to me, I'm like, what? Huh? Yeah, it makes no fucking sense. Um, the uh, the X-Men's, one of the famous X-Men's movies is X-Men's Days of Future Past, where they travel back in time and they do a bunch of wacky shit. <laughs> it's like Scooby-Doo, but with a time machine. Yeah, X-Men's is, uh, is super weird with the time jumping. Um, yeah. No, yeah, this is very X-Men's, and yeah, I agree, like, when you're trying to read, I don't know. I find Preston Nichols' book very difficult to read. And I know we're fucking dogging on him, but it's fine. <laughs> it's, Remember, it's, he's it's not dead. an easy read. <laughs> it's not an easy read. He's a he is a some kind of engineer kind of guy, and I think he writes that way. And it's like very did you find that? Like it was a weird read. It wasn't a comfortable read. It's um like from a literary so, aspect, it's not very pleasing. Uh, yeah. It's written in a first-person style. Um, there are, I mean, shame on the editor. There's, like, numerous typographical errors uh, that I noticed. And, uh, yeah, it's... nerd? It's, Yo, it's like, you sound like a fucking nerd or something, dude? You know, it's one of those... It's one Am of I those... about to open a portal in time and punch you in the mouth? <laughs> I'm about to open a portal and dime and spank you on the butt, dude. Yo, if I find where this editor lives, I'm going to open the time portal. I'm going to stick my foot through and it's going to go right into his asshole, which is where everything goes in these portals. <laughs> open portal these portals always ass. end up in your ass. It's a portal to an ass. Just a t It's always a different year. That's what they fine-tuned. When they talk about it spatially, they just wanted to get it to an ass. Um, But... I mean the the, I feel like the, the ligaments, of the story. Are really glossed over. But it's like, there's like, lots of information about radio equipment and ham radio lifestyle, <laughs> like going yeah. to fucking ham radio flea markets or whatever, and then it's like. <laughs> The, the real the real stuff that's kind of important it's like well this thing happened anyway here's more about this radio that uh they installed on the base it's like well wait you just glossed over like anyway Nazi let's talk about the color of the knobs used on the transmitters 10 it's billion like, no, dude what about the gold? fucking 
Yeah. Like, yeah, when did this happen? That. Yeah. This, I don't remember this. He just kind of goes like, ah, I heard something. And then he goes, anyway. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it. you know, it's like, it's funny because it prefaces it with saying that, you know, like I, like we said in the, in the script, it's not, not, it's soft facts. Um, and then yeah, I mean, Nichols says even it. says a little bit after that, that some people might consider it science fiction and that's fine. And nobody's ever really like disavowed that claim that it's science fiction. Just he, saying. He just goes a little bit there. further where he's like, oh, like if you think it's easier in your reality to accept this as science fiction, like he kind of tries to, to yeah. play it off. Yeah. Like, this is real, but if you think it's easier to be a fucking big baby and <laughs> think this is only science fiction. If you can't handle like the that. truth. Yeah, exactly. Then I guess you can think it's science fiction, you dumb big baby. Wee, wee, wee. See, I kind of get the feeling that the Montauk Project was, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of a bunch of guys <laughs> getting together. In the 70s and 80s, in the abandoned buildings, you know, <laughs> in Camp Hero State Park, you know, just kind of consensually jerking each other off in a weird chair. I mean, am I wrong or am I right? Is that no. not what it really sounds like? I mean, come on. They're acting like they're like, yeah, he, you know, and he, and, he, and he threw open a portal and it was a uh, he was stuck in an orgasmic experience and it was just, oh, wow. And it's like, dude, you can just say it. You guys were all hanging out in an abandoned building <laughs> in a state park, jerking each other off. It's a okay. Park, a park ranger <laughs> showed up when Duncan Cameron was in the chair getting jerked off by Preston Nichols. And he was like, hey, what's going on here? And they're like, oh, it's a, <laughs> he's got to stay in an orgasmic state. <laughs> One day a fucking (laughs) And Al Bielik's like, no, quit calling me Al. Call me Ed. (laughs) One day a fucking Don't use my real name. (laughs) A bear shows up and fucking fucking like attacks them while they're jerking each other off and then so they're like, Yeah, and a fucking he created a Sasquatch with his mind. Yeah, this was all just an excuse to have sex at a state park with each other and <laughs> to make a story so they didn't get found out. Yeah. Um, I just want to throw out that, uh, you know, some even believers in the Montauk Project really don't believe Al Bielik at all. And uh, Al, yeah, Al's very controversial. Controversial he kind figure. of uh, he goes a little wild with it. All yeah. that stuff about traveling to the year twenty one thirty seven and all that shit. That's from like his website, right? Nichols actually says that that never happened. They went straight when they jumped off the USS Eldridge. They landed straight in 1983, which right, which aligns with <laughs> what happens later. Right. You think about like the timeline. Yeah. Al, Al adds a few steps for confusion's sake. Um, <laughs> but uh, I just want to throw out there that uh, I saw a website where they did some research on Al Bielik and found out that uh, I think it's his mother, and her name was uh, Albertina. Which, <laughs> I think it's great that her name was Albertina and his name is Al. <laughs> like, Albertine. Albertina and Al. We want Bielik. more Albertine, please! 
Albertina and Al Bielik sound like um, they're brother and sister characters in an Adam Sandler movie. <laughs> and of course, they're both played by Adam right, Sandler. Right. Oh, yeah, naturally. <laughs> Albertina and Albert. <laughs> Al and Albertina. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're right. Al- the movie where he Al- discovers... Oh, God, Al, we have to go get some Dunkachinos <laughs> using our Samsung phones and our Sony Vio. Let's get into our Ford Explorer and go to get a Dunkachinos at Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, God, quick, use your TomTom GPS. Yeah, they gave us a lot of money. <laughs> use a TomTom GPS. Yeah, use the TomTom GPS. Why wouldn't I just use my Samsung notebook? Galaxy S5. It's got a great built-in navigation system. (laughs) Do we have permission to use that clip? (laughs) We're going to get sued. Yeah, it's straight for the movie. (laughs) Oh, God, Al. My feet are killing me. Take off these horrible shoes from DSW and put on my Crocs. <laughs> yeah, it's not just about brand recognition. It's also about shitting on rival brands. Slappy <laughs> Joe, slap, slap, slappy Joe. Oh, that was a great movie. Uh, two thumbs up from me. It was a good movie, dude. Yeah. It was a classic. I love Sandler flicks, man. I can't get enough of them. Grown Ups, Grown Ups 87. I yeah. want to go forward. I want to go into a portal and go into the year fucking 2079 and go see Grown Ups 12. Yeah. Can't Sand- get enough of the Grown Ups films. I mean, you'd be able you'd be able to just put on the Sandler marathon. I mean, Sandler flicks flick my bean, if you know what I'm saying. So <laughs> that would get me in the state to open a portal. <laughs> um, I mean, we're shitting on this topic and we're shitting on Preston Nichols a lot. That's okay. <laughs> it's it's he shouldn't have brought it up if he didn't want me to shit on him. Yeah, well, he may have. Yeah. Well, this might, I, I am saying this though, in, in honesty, I do really enjoy this topic. This might be, this is in my Mount Buckmore. Ooh, wow. My Mount Buckmore of topics. Oh. I really did like it. It's so fucking weird. I mean, every time you read into, as we were reading into it and researching it, it just like, it's, they're just like add more and more shit. It's hilarious. Yeah, I, I have they to say. They don't just go through time. They don't just make objects appear like, yeah, we also can do portals. Oh, and we put those portals into an underground basement on a pyramid in Mars, and we found secret technology. There was a golden horse. <laughs> like, what is this golden horse? <laughs> I love that the golden horse then was the cover of of, of Nichols' book too. Yeah, uh, yeah, I I kind of agree with you. Like, I don't know. We like fun topics, right? We love fun topics like this. This one's fun. This is so far out there. It's fun. I mean, it's got everything. This is like you can't go wrong. This is like this is like going to Baskin Robbins and just getting one oh of every God. flavor. Oh yeah. Well, I can see why so many people fucking love Stranger Things. I mean, we've never seen it, but um <laughs> yeah, maybe this God, will get me popular. to watch it. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll watch it now. 
Maybe. <clears throat> Maybe. Don't quote me on that, Bunk Funkers. Maybe. I got a long list of anime to work through. So. Wow. going to be a while before I get to Stranger Things. Got to watch a lot of anime. Um, yeah. I got a lot of uh, cooking shows on my DVR, so. <laughs> DVR? Oh, God. Um, yeah, I has a table. <laughs> yeah, TiVo. I still Jesus. use a TiVo. <laughs> TiVo to work on my amazing LCD 4K Samsung display. What's the deal? Is it the Nintendo Switch that's plugged into the wall using Amazon Basics HDMI cables? Maybe we should go to Dunkin' Donuts and get more Dunkachinos. And they show up to Dunkachinos and they got fucking Al Pacino. <laughs> It looks like he hasn't slept in eight weeks. He's just like, I've Dunkachino, a Dunkachinos, a Dunk on the Chinos. And he does his little Dunkachino dance. <laughs> it's just so sad to see one of the greatest actors of our generation. Well, not our generation, but of our time. Fucking do a Dunkachinos dance for a check. <laughs> I mean, I can't blame the guy. I would do a Dunkachinos dance for a check. I'll do any dance you want for a check. But I'm also not a great fucking actor who's been in a... I wasn't in The Godfather. I wasn't in uh, Dog Day Afternoon. I wasn't in Scent of a Woman. Um, And all the other great movies that Al Pacino's been in. He... Yeah, well... So I'll go do a Dunkachino dance. Now he's doing sex scenes with Adam Sandler dressed as a woman. <laughs> That's where his career's gone. <laughs> That's where everyone's career hopefully ends up. Playing Joe Paterno and doing sex scenes with the cross-dressing Adam Sandler. <laughs> playing Joe Paterno. The Holy. Why is that? Is that his character from Any Given Sunday? <laughs> no, they did a they did a an HBO movie. Oh, I didn't know that. With Adam Sandler? No, no. It's Al Pacino. Adam Sandler's Jill from Jack and Jill should <laughs> should fucking show up in like every movie. At least one little scene. Even the most like serious fucking like sad movies. Oh you know, God. Like, well, she died just of cancer. Like, <laughs> just like uh well, when the fucking Parasite won the Oscar last year, just fucking Jill just shows up. Hey! Oh, God! Where is this? Are we in Korea right now? What's going on? <laughs> oh, this family's rich. Look at this big house. I bet there's lots of stuff in here. Let's see if we can name the name brands of everything. Let's name inside. all the brands. I can't pronounce these brands. Oh, I fell. Oop. Oh, I'm oop, oop, oop. And she falls down the stairs. Boop, 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 boop. Oh, farts. <laughs> ah! Somebody give me some Tums and some Mucinex for all this gas. Mucinex. The, the mucus. He's going to run out of brands. Yeah. I need some Vicks Vapor Rub. Oh, <laughs> some NyQuil Z to help me sleep. I'm not used to the jet lag. Oh. <laughs> all, the, all the fucking actors from. And Parasite are like, what the fuck? <laughs> they didn't ask for this. <laughs> we didn't ask for this. Nobody knows what's happening, but it has to be in the movie now. <laughs> they go back to their like cramped little fucking apartment where they all live at the beginning of the movie. 
She's just like, oh, thanks for coming with me. Thanks for bringing me along. You guys know where I can get a Dunkachino? <laughs> there are Dunkin' Donuts in South Korea? <laughs> BTS? <laughs> Big TV Samsung? <laughs> It's just like it's actually a very sad story about a woman going having a complete mental breakdown as she's just <laughs> searching for brands to like say brand name things and she can't find any that she recognizes. Man, there's a, probably a ton. There's got to be 7-Elevens. 7-Elevens are all over the world. It's a powerful powerful, it's a powerful story. Movie. A powerful story. KFC. KFC. Where's the famous chicken bulls? Oh, no, they don't have them. Oh, Oh, the humanity. You did it. You fucked it up. You blew it up. You bastards. You bastards. Oh, God. Um... (laughs) Bugfuckers, we're recording this episode quite late, so if you're wondering why Andy and I are going off the rails... Um, we were never on the rails to begin with. <laughs> that's true. We never were. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, it's what's what's your favorite? What's your favorite part? What's your favorite like thing or experiment about this uh, this topic? It's it's hard to sit here. I mean, we'll get to it in verdicts, but like, I mean, what are we gonna sit here and fucking? My, one of my favorite fucking things is that Ed Teller. Ed Cameron annoyed Ed Teller. <laughs> and so he decided with three yeah. other scientists, like, we just, we got to get rid of this fucking guy, am I right? Like, we got to kill this motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, I, that's that's a good part. I think for me. <laughs> and that's that's from Al Bielik. That's from his website. Right. That's not from Nichols. He basically admits that he's so annoying that Ed Teller would want to wipe him out of existence. <laughs> Like, it makes oh me believe God. that he knew Ed Teller. <laughs> he met Ed Teller before, and Ed Teller was like, oh, my God, shut up. <laughs> shut the fuck up, dude. Um, For me, I think the my favorite part, this was more of an experiential thing, was uh, reading uh, Preston Nichols' book. And, you know, you're reading, you're reading, and you get about, what, two-thirds of the way through? slightly more than halfway through maybe and then all of a sudden it's like mars journey to mars i was like what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) what (laughs) what and what and then i see richard (laughs) hoagland's name and then it all makes sense yep it's just he'll probably that's that's got to be an episode topic someday the fucking face on mars and sidonia and all that shit yeah of course he came up in the lucifer project yep Yep, yep, yep. He he was a proponent of that. Um, yeah, Hoagland's an interesting dude, but uh, I think that was the point for me where I was like, "This is a this is okay." You got me on this one, Montauk. What does that mean? You know, it's like, all right, I'm in on this. Oh, okay. You're down the clown with this one, right? Um. I, I like yeah I like the the travel to Mars. Um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I gotta say I think Michael Ash is a better 
is a way better storyteller. I mean, everything Michael Ash is talking about really is what I'm super fucking into. Where he's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, there were fucking rogue Nazis and they were battling Delta Force. Yeah. And they were they were working together with interdimensional alien forces to go fight insectoid greys on a different planet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That all happened in Montauk. <laughs> It's just like, why the fuck would they want any human beings involved in this? <laughs> what what do we bring that's valuable to interdimensional extraterrestrial warfare? <laughs> what is it that we can do that they're like, that's a skill we need? <laughs> God, those guns. Oh, if only we could build AR-15s. <laughs> they have fucking, I mean... They have some kind of hyper travel. I'm imagining that they're actually doing psychic warfare. We only have the technology to build airsoft guns. <laughs> we need to go to Earth and get real weapons. Yeah. Apparently, the Philadelphia experiment with its its hyperspace and its hyperdrive, uh, or hyper whatever, it's traveling into hyperspace. Um, just alerted a bunch of alien races. They were like, "Oh shit, humans are on board." Let's fucking go. <laughs> they did it. Time to get them involved in war. We know humans love war. Yeah. Um, one speaking thing of the Philadelphia experiment, you didn't like that one that much. Well, the the OG, I purposefully, when we did that episode, we didn't cover the Montauk version, which mm-hmm. I think I think a few of our peers in the, uh, the podcasting world just kind of threw the Philadelphia experiment in with the Montauk project, mm-hmm. which probably makes a lot of sense. Makes sense. Because there isn't much to the Philadelphia experiment, and there's more of it with the Montauk project, but it by itself is pretty boring and pretty vanilla. Yeah. The, then the Montauk project comes along, and they're like, it didn't just turn invisible. It fucking turned into a piece of energy that traveled through hyperspace, and two fucking badasses jumped off and then traveled through time and space, and everyone fucking partied, and it was awesome. They fucking went to the future. One of them got a job. As a <laughs> tour guide in a place part. he's never been before. <laughs> That's my like. What was his part. tour? What was this tour that he was giving? Like the, he can't, doesn't have any local knowledge. He's never been to this time before, let alone the location. Possibly. <laughs> he's like he's like. Uh, if you look to your left, you'll see uh, some uh, kind of structure that's oozing. Where's the Dunkin' Donuts? <laughs> raises her hands. I need a Dunkachino. I need a Dunkachino. Oh, I'm gonna pass out. Oh god. Oh my god. Uh yeah, it's like uh over there you'll see a whatever the hell that is. I don't know. I don't live here. <laughs> I've never been here before. Some kind of uh golden horse traveling up and down. <laughs> Tour guide. Oh my god. That that is the funniest shit. Like they don't he doesn't expand on that at all. That's from Al Bielik's website again. He's just like, yeah, my brother and I, we spent six weeks in the hospital in the future, the far future, recovering from radiation burns. And then all of a sudden I went to the future. And so I was like, well, I might as well get a job. I'm not going to fucking putz around. He's going to be a freeloader. Yeah, he's a real bootstraps kind of guy is Al Bielik. Uh, oh, Edward yeah. Cameron. <clears throat> um, oh, my God. That is so funny. It's like he could have picked so many other professions. <laughs> like there are literally hundreds of other jobs he could have said. One other thing that didn't make that was left on the cutting room floor of the research and the script was that uh, Al Bielik claims that he met Mark Hamill 
mm-hmm. Star Wars actor Mark Hamill uh, and on many other things. Yeah. In like the 1950s. <laughs> oh. In like Hawaii. He saw him. Uh, the infant. I, the infant Mark Hamill. No, not even as an infant, like as an adult man. Oh, okay. And then, like, it's like, I guess he's alluding to something that like, I guess. Mark, I don't know Mark, that Mark Hamill is a time traveler. Wink, wink. Mark Hamill's in on it. I think if Mark Hamill was a time traveler, he would go back in time and not do The Last Jedi with Ryan Johnson. <laughs> Ew. Yeah. Yeah. Why does that exist in this timeline if uh, Mark Hamill's a time traveler? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mark Mark Hamill and John Van Neumann traveling the time seas together in their little pirate ship. <laughs> it's like Treasure Planet. Treasure Planet? Oh, is that that Disney movie? Yeah. I've never it's seen the, it. It's the, it's the remake of Treasure Planet, uh, or Treasure Island, I, I guess I should say. Um, but it's in space. Set, yeah, it's like in space, and it's very... Uh, it's an interesting flick. I heard it was bad. Well, I have people who would beg to differ. Okay, yeah. Controversial movie. Controversial. Um... That's a good part. I mean, the portals are kind of cool. I like how eventually Duncan just gets so fucking good at his job mm-hmm. that he can just record it to a fucking tape. And I mean, wow, I never knew VHSs were so fucking powerful or cassette tapes or whatever they were using. Laser disc. <laughs> yeah. The, oh, uh, shit. The portal. The portal's almost out. Turn it to side B. <laughs> I don't know. Like some of the descriptions, it's like <clears throat> this is like real classic conspiracy stuff like theory stuff right to me because it's like they'll describe something but you in your mind you're like it doesn't make sense to me i'm no expert but something about this just doesn't make any sense that's like classic conspiracy stuff like you just pick a technology you just claim (laughs) that it will do this thing and it's like sure yeah but how (laughs) yeah I mean, he go Nichols goes into like more detail and it like more detail than is needed because yeah. it's like it not it's you're not it, it doesn't make sense no matter how much fucking detail you go into it, dude. Like he's talking about these coils and they link up to the fucking transmitters and there's you know and in the book there's a couple of graphics and it's just like all right, I mean whatever if you say so. It's like yeah. there's alien crystals and uh, uh, all these receivers and I'm like all right, sure. Why not? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that they they put all those documents in there while also saying at the very top of the book that there's no evidence. So it's like, well, then what what are we to make of this? Yeah. You just uh, just these literally diagrams. telling us that these you just made these to help support the book. Oh, boy. Well. Uh, now. Maybe before we get into our verdicts here, Andy, maybe we should mm-hmm. talk about a little, uh, a little fun make them up. Yeah. Um, if you, Andy, could go into the Montauk chair, yep. A, what would you visualize and make real? Mm-hmm. And B, whose eyes would you remote view and see through and go through? And and hey, wild card question C. Oh, if you could throw open a portal anywhere in the world. Where would you go? Mm, okay. Where would you go? Interesting. Um, <clears throat> all right. So, so question A, 
is uh is what what would i uh visualize and make real right yeah just like how you know Duncan and they never gave us examples of what Duncan could make real. Like, did he make what? Was he making basketballs, sandwiches? Yeah. Um. Well, along those same lines, I guess if uh, if I want, if I was going to do it, uh, what I would do is uh, I would just make a really good grilled cheese. Because nothing beats that. I mean, any time of the day. That grilled cheese from that place where we used to go. You know what I'm talking about. C and C. <laughs> that place. C and C. Yeah, now closed. Remember? C, C and C. Come on. No, C and C. The letter C and yeah. C. C and C. It was cash only. They had a grilled cheese on the menu. And your wife used to get it all the time. Oh, yeah, okay. Like that kind of grilled cheese? Okay. Yeah, like a really good grilled cheese. Okay, thanks. I'm glad we had. I think I'm glad we went through that. Yeah, no one else is gonna get that. No gonna, just for us. We used a code name for the restaurant. We used the abbreviation. Uh, it's closed. You'll never. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't exist anymore. I don't know why I gave it a code name. Yeah, we. Uh, uh, yeah, I used to like everything there, though. Um, oh, it had a great menu. Great grilled cheese, though. Delicious grilled cheese. I don't think I ever got the grilled cheese. Um, I never got the foot long hot dog either. You used to love that thing. You would shove that whole thing in your mouth. One bite. I was a one biter. Your mouth was kind of like a portal and you would just kind of go straight to your fucking stomach with it. Yeah, they put this uh, escabeche on it. It was really good. Or this uh, escabeche. How do you pronounce it? I don't know. Peppers. Uh, you're, you're asking the vegetables. wrong guy. You're asking the wrong guy. Delicious. It was so good. Uh, a really good grilled cheese. Now, I also know who I'd view through because you view, uh, you view through, you don't just view through their eyes, right? You just experience life as them, right? Yeah. Like when you're in, when you're in that person's body, you don't just see things, but you like feel the sensations, you, you get their, their thoughts and all this stuff. Right. You almost like freaky Friday into them. And that's my, that's my choice. I'm, I'm picking Jamie Lee Curtis. Okay. I'm going to pick my wife because <laughs> I've always wanted to have sex with myself. Oh my God. And I think that would be a really neat experience for me. So bonus though, if I was in the Montauk chair personally, <laughs> oh Jesus Christ, how are you going to have sex with yourself if you're in the fucking chair? Well, no, I'm hurt. Oh, Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, now I put you in a fucking paradox. You're in a time glitch. You're about to age yourself to death. No, no. She's got to be jerking me off uh, so I can <laughs> make the, even do that. So we just upgrade it to full-on intercourse, and then that'll be fine. All right. So you're um, in the chair, and then you guys are boning in the chair while ever, all the other scientists and Preston Nichols is watching yeah. from behind like a bunch of racks, like a bunch of transmitters and arrays, and he's like kind of jerking off and... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of people watching, but none of them are visible. They're like only the tops of their heads and their eyes. Yeah. You can see a top of like <laughs> equipment, and and you guys are boning, right? While you're in the chair, and then you fucking remote view, you're boning yourself. Okay, right, right. I get to so experience sex works. with myself. Um, but bonus, Jesus Christ, I would try to break the machine by. <laughs> Hold on, hold on. If I was in the Montauk chair, I would try to break the machine 
by trying to go into my own mind. So I would try to mind oh. I would try to mind deception myself. Wow. And see if I could break the machine. <laughs> How deep could I go into my own brain? Hey, let me tell you, Bunk is not very deep. It's not very uh, not a lot going on up there. <laughs> this is a waiting pool. Yeah. Um It's like right. when Patrick is like, My mind the inner machinations of my mind are an enigma. Yes. And then it just uh little thought bubble of a yeah, of a carton of milk spilling that's what your mind is like andy or uh yeah a jug band music is all i hear in my head <laughs> yeah um boing, boing, boing. let's uh let's see and then and then finally the uh the special bonus question is where would i go down to Kokomo. Johnny he takes Kokomo. it fast. He's gonna fuck himself. <laughs> He's gonna remote view. Having sex with himself in Kokomo. Aruba, Jamaica. Ooh, I wanna take you to Bermuda, Bahama. Come Pyramid on Mars. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! I mean, it's like such a huge question. You could go anywhere in the universe at any point. Um, I think. Uh, I think what I would do is I would go. I would go back in time. I would travel back in time, and uh, I would go way back. To like the origins of, um, like the origins of humanity. Ooh, all right, you're pushing it to the limit. Mm-hmm. And I would see what really happened, and just That's put fair. a stop to the whole thing. <laughs> you you see the primordial ooze, and you just kind of cover it up with sand. You're just like, yeah, I don't need that. <laughs> I'll drink it up with a straw. Oh God. Oh, God, then the whole universe is inside of Andy's tummy. Mm, think about that. Oh, no. As it was it's always like that fucking meme. Be. One astronaut is looking. It's like, it's always, it's all Andy's tummy. And the other it astronaut's holding been. a gun to the back of his head. <laughs> he always has been. Yeah. That's that's my vision of the future. <laughs> or the present. <laughs> However that works. Wow. <laughs> Fair enough, Andy. I think some fair choices there. Um, <laughs> you're going to have sex with yourself in the fucking chair. Jesus oh, like Christ. you wouldn't do it. Uh, no, not really. Don't I <laughs> don't really want to have sex with myself. Why? You're not good at it? No, 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 no. I'm, um, I'm uh, stiff as a board. I really plank up when you get the clothes off. <laughs> in... What in your penis really, or really freeze up? Just go full cadaver mode. <laughs> you no, know, just in general your body. <gasps> so you just lay, you just lay there, still yeah. completely un- unable to move. There's just a lot of crying as well, a lot of, <laughs> right. lot of tears. I'm just always just full crying. <laughs> yeah. No, I believe that. Uh, <laughs> 
Um, all right. I mean, I don't know. You got anything else you want to chat about here, Andy, with this Montauk project before we get into oh, our verdicts? No, I'm ready to verdicize this thing. Yeah, we can verdicize I can ver- <laughs> verdict-size it. John F. Kennedy was still alive. She's <laughs> like, oh, geez, we got to... Uh, we got to shut this down. And they're like, oh, fuck. You know what we could do? Let's go back to 20 years ago and murder him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. There were witnesses and stuff. God damn it. Let's we, pick the most. Let's. We could go. We could go back in time to like any. Like we could just kill him in his sleep. They could say literally. It was a drug overdose. They could. No, no, no. We got to do it in a public spot. Like really public area. They could literally warp into an airplane while he's flying somewhere and crash the plane. Yep. Like, there's so many ways. Nope. The most public <laughs> way they could think of. The way to draw the most attention to it. Yeah. <laughs> to fuck with the timeline the most. That's oh like... Oh, my God. And we, we haven't ever heard anything from any of these Bavari- or Bavarians. Um, any of these Delta Force guys. I mean... Yeah. No Delta Force guy has ever come forward and said, uh, hey, I was in Delta Force and yeah, I was a shapeshifter. Um Yeah, do you have to think about the a small sparrow the number of aliens? The number of people that something like this would take to be like completely silent and complicit. Yeah, it would as, be unbelievable. As, as thousands of children from Long Island are abducted in the night. Yeah. And never returned. 10,000 children. Stunard, where you taking me? I got to go back and have some of mom's meatballs, mamma mia. Ooh. Stunard, one of my favorite expressions. <laughs> this guy's a real jamoke. This guy, he's a jerk jag off over here. Oh, my God. <laughs> me and 9,000 of my closest friends. Oh, trapped in the future. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Just nine, a sea of 9,000 little boys all being like, yo, what the fuck is this shit? Not, not even that. Blonde-haired, blue-eyed little boys. That's true. Another thing that didn't make the cutting room floor is that only boys allowed. Yeah, no, no women. girls. No girls. Sorry. And they all had to be um, blonde and, and blue-eyed. They had to be Aryan. Yep. Um, You would think that these... Nazis who are obsessed with the Aryan race wouldn't want their uh, <laughs> their this massive collection of Aryans to be go sent out into time and space to just die. Yeah, but um, apparently they didn't care. Yeah, it's like uh, <laughs> they they've like so diluted the gene pool in that area that there are no Aryans left because they all sent them to the future and the children died. <laughs> But it's a free vacation. It's a free vacation. Get over it, kids. Permanent vacation. Well, eventually time catches up to you. you fucking Zoomers. <laughs> you got Go TikTok. Go TikTok in the year 6037 with the fucking golden you horse. You See so if I give a shit. With your TikToks. Get the fuck out of here. Go to the future and yeah, stay there. Your fucking, your fucking depression humor and your fucking suicide jokes and your TikTok. And it's your not funny. We fashion like it. senses and your backpack kid flossing dance in Fortnite and on the day disgusting you make fucking me sick fucking millennials man we're the real ones they're they're fucking abducting us putting us in chairs making us do psychic mind portals while also 
jerking us off, forcing with- us to come over and over and over again. He's like slurms Mackenzie. He's just like, please, I'm so tired. Stop. I don't want to be, I don't want to have sex anymore in my mind. I, I, please stop jerking me off. Coming isn't fun anymore. I'm so tired. I just want to sleep. Nope. Time to come again. (laughs) All right. This has been a lot of cum talk. Um, let's get to verdicts. Yeah. Let's come to verdicts. Let's do, let's come on verdicts. Come on verdicts. Oh, I know we can give them. It's the bunker scale. It means everything, everything to you. Now, the bunker scale is almost as scientific as the Montauk project, but <laughs> maybe a little bit more so. I don't know. <laughs> that's for you to decide bunk funkers whether the bunker scale is more scientific than the montauk project or less <laughs> but it is a close race um <laughs> the bunker scale has kept many a person in a state of orgasmic bliss <laughs> you know if we if we went back to that the the rarely used uh steak uh, based scale yeah that would that would be as scientific as as the montauk project yeah but we're gonna stick with the regular bunker scale that's right tried and true um andy where you what are you, what are you feeling on this one all right so um it's hard to separate anything out of this so i'm just gonna take it <laughs> i'm gonna take it all on its face Sure, okay, that's fair. And just say that is the uh, information supplied by Preston Nichols and Al Bielek and uh, Steven Swerdlow and Michael Ash and am I forgetting anybody? Duncan Cameron. Duncan Cameron, yeah. How could I forget the psychic himself, Mr. X, Professor X? Um, is all is the whole tale that's been w- weaved together uh, about the Montauk Project Where's that fit on the plausibility scale? Case closed. Ooh, baby. I I like it a lot, but it's hard to believe any of it. Yeah. Um, that said, um, an alternative hypothesis was raised on this episode by Art, and I would like to give that plausible... I would like to give that highly plausible rating. <laughs> that... These men were all together jerking each other off in a chair at the camp here in an abandoned building at Camp Hero. A chair, a weird chair in an abandoned building. And they got caught. And this story, they knew people would find out. And this story is the cover for that. (laughs) Highly plausible. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Holy shit. Um fair enough, Fandy, fair enough. <laughs> I want it to be true so bad. <laughs> All right, guys. All right, guys. In this scenario, I came back from the year twenty seventy five where I worked as a tour guide. You guys are gonna jerk me off and then I'm gonna go back in time. <laughs> Jesus, oh, Al, can't we just 
Can't we just do the regular thing where we pretend that our cum is portals? <laughs> can't we just watch a porno? No, yeah. no, I can't get off unless it's weird like this. Nah, dude, come on. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope it's true. <laughs> I hope there's VHS evidence of that. <laughs> yeah. Here's your portals. Here's your sad. <laughs> Here's your porthole. Here's your sad. I work for the CIA. If you jerk off your friends in a weird chair in an abandoned building at the Camp Hero State Park, you might be a Montauk Project redneck. <laughs> <laughs> hey, y'all ever been down there to Camp Hero and gotten jerked off in that weird chair? Get her cummed. <laughs> Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, they said I had the right <laughs> to get jerked off in a weird chair. <laughs> but I didn't they have the ability. Call me Al Salad. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite side at a picnic, Al Bielik Salad. <laughs> they call me Junior Salad. Oh God! <laughs> oh God! All right, I'm fucking like sweating from laughing at this stupid yeah. fucking joke. Um, you know, one thing I do want to mention though is there is there's there is a I mean, there's a lot there's a lot more to this story, and it might deserve a follow up because there are, I mean, there are playlists that I found of YouTube videos of interviews with these men. Hours long. I mean, these are hour long interviews. Mm -hmm. uh, they would take so much time to watch and compile. Yeah. There might be more to this story. This is, um, you know, again, we always give the whole enchilada, but there might be some um, leftovers that we can still scrape up a second helping. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe one day we'll revisit this by watching a few of these interviews. But I got to say, I watched one of them with Duncan Cameron. A little disappointing. Uh, oh, yeah? they, you know, of course the, the title is kind of clickbaited where it says Duncan Cameron talks about the infamous junior. It's all about junior, how he conjured up this massive beast, this Sasquatch beast, mm -hmm. and it destroyed the whole thing. And of course this interview is over 50 minutes long. They don't start talking about junior until minute 53. Duncan literally, the interviewer asks him about it and Duncan literally says, oh, you know, we're still trying to recover information about that, so I don't know. Can't really talk much about it. Yeah. It's just like, all right, they just to he totally sidestepped it. Yeah. Totally sidestepped it. And I was like, that's so fucking lame. Come on. Yeah. One thing that uh, that seems to happen with this is that where there's opportunities to, like, expand on something, they choose not to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, anyway, um, my verdict here is also case closed. Uh, I do not <laughs> do not think that the Montauk Project uh, happened, as wow. described by Preston Nichols, Al Bielik, Stuart Serdlow, <laughs> Michael Ash. Um, I think it's fucking wild, and I think it's great, and it's funny. 
Yeah. And it inspired Stranger Things, which is apparently like maybe a more polished kind of um, fun version of this. Yeah. As for my hypothesis that these were a bunch of men jerking each other off in a weird chair in an abandoned building in Camp Hero State Park, I will also say plausible. Uh, what did you say? Plausible plus? I, I said highly said. plausible. Highly plausible. I meant sure. to tip. Yeah. It's my theory as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. You came up with it. So. <laughs> you got to be, be on board for that. <laughs> All right, so that was our verdicts on the Montauk Project. Um, let us know what you think. Use the hashtag. Um, ooh. Um, I mean, we got. Let's Mon talk about it. We could do hashtag um, cum portal. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh I like uh, I like uh, let's Mon talk about it. Don't you? Sure. I think it's a fun we, pun. We like puns. Sorry, I don't know how to spell. All right, let's Mon talk about it and <laughs> um, let us know what you think about this story. Email us, mrbunkerpod at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter and Instagram with the handle at Mr. Bunker Pod mm-hmm. and find us on our website, Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time.com. And if you feel so inclined, if you enjoy the show and you have the means, we don't want to make anyone feel pressured here. If you have the means right. and you feel like supporting the show, you can find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Mr. Bunker Pod. You can get a new episode every month of our Patreon only show and in our debunked. Um, Let's see, we've done some real fun stuff on there. We've got a lot more fun episodes planned. And you can get to join our Discord channel where you can chat with Andy and I and other bunk funkers. And you get a uh you, you know, you get some other fun perks that will Yeah. You know, you never know what fun perks might show up one day. You gotta you gotta you gotta join to see what's gonna happen. Well, either way, it helps us. Keep the lights on in the bunker, and we appreciate your support. Either way, bunk funkers and um, <laughs> Andy, I think that's it. I mean, yeah. What more could be said? I mean, there's very little more that we could add to this. <laughs> really, make sure you uh, uh, really make sure you go out there and you um, look up all your favorite brands and read them out loud <laughs> in an obnoxious voice. Any, anytime you want to use any product or buy anything, make sure that you're cognizant of the brand and to say it out loud so that other people know what you're <laughs> buying or using. Even if you're at home by yourself, out loud. Because remember, um, our devices are listening. Oh, it's true. Maybe that's the real Montauk project. Hmm. The devices are the portals, and the portals were <laughs> the fact that they're spying on us. What? Uh, oh, my it. God. It's Bill Angvall. He's inside my phone. He's listening to me. He works for the CIA and the NSA. <laughs> Here's your secret concealed microphone. <laughs> All right, Andy. We got to open up a portal and get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And let people go on with their day. Yeah, we got to we gotta give you all back the precious time you invested yeah, you'll never getting it back episode. i hope that i hope that all the bunk fuckers can somehow find 
a Montauk chair and fucking put themselves back in time two two and a half hours so that they don't have to <laughs> go back in time and discourage us from doing this podcast at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, just stop Mr. Bunker say not them pick yeah. other people <laughs> pick to any two other people please yeah. abduct literally anybody else <laughs> well for not the titular Mr. Bunker but for my Estival co-host Ooh. Andy Hart I'm Art Stone hmm. saying that was the whole enchilada ciao you jamoke <laughs> History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.